welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Wednesday of the 10th week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good things come, grant that we, who call on you in our need, may at your prompting discern what is right, and by your guidance do it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first book of Kings. Ahab called all Israel together and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah stepped out in front of all the people. How long, he said, do you mean to hobble first on one leg, then on the other? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. But the people never said a word. Elijah then said to them, I, I alone, am left as a prophet of the Lord, while the prophets of Baal are four hundred and fifty. Let two bulls be given to us. Let them choose one for themselves. Dismember it and lay it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I in my turn will prepare the other bull, but not set fire to it. You must call on the name of your God, and I shall call on the name of mine. The God who answers with fire is God indeed. The people all answered, Agreed. Elijah then said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull and begin for there are more of you. Call on the name of your God, but light no fire. They took the bull and prepared it, and from morning to midday they called on the name of Baal. O Baal, answer us, they cried. But there was no voice, no answer, as they performed the hobbling dance round the altar they had made. Midday came, and Elijah mocked them. Call louder, he said, for he is a god. He is preoccupied or he is busy, or he has gone on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and will wake up. So they shouted louder and gashed themselves, as their custom was, with swords and spears until the blood flowed down them. Midday passed, and they ranted on until the time the offering is presented. But there was no voice, no answer, no attention given to them. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come closer to me. And all the people came closer to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been broken down. Elijah took twelve stones, 
corresponding to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come. Israel should be your name, and built an altar in the name of the Lord. Round the altar he dug a trench of a size to hold two measures of seed. He then arranged the wood, dismembered the bull, and laid it on the wood. Then he said, Fill four jars with water, and pour it on the holocaust and on the wood. This they did. He said, Do it a second time. They did it a second time. He said, Do it a third time. They did it a third time. The water flowed round the altar, and the trench itself was full of water. At the time when the offering is presented, Elijah the prophet stepped forward. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, he said, let them know today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, so that this people may know that you, the Lord, are God and are winning back their hearts. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the holocaust and wood and licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell on their faces. The Lord is God, they cried. The Lord is God. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Preserve me, God, I take refuge in you. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. Those who chose other gods increase their sorrows. Never will I offer the offerings of their blood. Never will I take their name upon my lips. Keep me safe, O God. You are my hope. O Lord, it is you who are my portion and cup. It is you yourself who are my prize. I keep the Lord ever in my sight. Since he is at my right hand, I shall stand firm. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. You will show me the path of life, the fullness of joy in your presence. At your right hand, happiness forever. Keep me safe, O God, you are my hope. Alleluia, alleluia. Teach me your paths, my God, and lead me in your truth. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not imagine that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to complete them. I tell you solemnly, till heaven and earth disappear, not one dot, not one little stroke, shall disappear from the law until its purpose is achieved. Therefore the man who infringes even one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. But the man who keeps them and teaches them will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're continuing to read the gospel where we left off yesterday in the Sermon on the Mount. And 
like that fact's important. The fact that the Sermon is on the Mount. The location tells us something really important about what's happening and what Jesus is accomplishing. Because, you know, when Moses received the law from God, he did so on a mountain, on Mount Sinai. Now, a mountain, of course, is a a great place of encounter between God and humanity. You see that played out over and over again in the Old Testament. And this moment on Sinai, when God gave the law to Israel was the moment that shaped the history and the culture of Israel ever since. And now we see that Jesus climbs a new mountain, a new Sinai. But what's interesting, though, is that he doesn't come as Moses came, carrying the word of God. Jesus is the one who sits down and begins to teach himself. The law, of course, was was God's law. And, and Moses understood himself as the one who wrote down God's law and communicated God's law. But now Jesus, Jesus is one who speaks with his own voice, still giving the law, but the fulfillment of the law. Now, one of the expectations of the coming of the Messiah was that he would bring with him a new Torah, a new law. And we can see here that the new law of Christ is unfolding from this new Sinai moment. And, you know, if you've got some familiarity with the Sermon on the Mount, you know, it it takes this form. Jesus says, you've learned how it was said, dot, dot, dot. But I say to you, at each step, Christ brings us from the external adherence of the law of Moses to his demand that the law shouldn't just merely shape our actions, but first and foremost should shape our interior dispositions. You've heard how it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, any man who looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so, you know, our Lord Jesus says, don't imagine that I've come to abolish the law of prophets. I've not come to abolish, but to complete them. And I think that's important because, you know, if we only outwardly obey the instructions of the Ten Commandments, whilst our interior desires remain, you know, rebellious, then the fullness of of the law is not yet within us. Because, you know, it's like having our foot on the brake in controlling our actions, but having our other foot on the accelerator as our unruly passions keep driving us forward. And so the Lord says in the Gospel today, For I tell you, if your virtue goes no deeper than that of the scribes and Pharisees, You'll never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, for the scribes and Pharisees, their main drive was to put the law into practice, to be scrupulous in the adherence of every smallest detail of the law, to allow the Lord to shape one's actions. But Jesus points out that in the new law of the Messiah, the fulfillment of the law of Moses, outward adherence, And, you know, slavish scrupulosity to the law, it's not enough. It needs to shape the source of our actions, our hearts, our desires, our interiority. And so at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, it says that the people were amazed, they're astonished, that his teaching made a deep impression on them. But in fact, you know, Matthew, in his gospel, he's, he's more specific than that. He actually says that the people were alarmed, that there's something disturbing about what Jesus has said to them because he doesn't teach like the Pharisees or the scribes. You see, their job was to be interpreters of the law, 
to help us to come to a deeper understanding of what adherence to the law consisted of. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead of providing an interpretation of the old law, Jesus sits down and begins to teach. You have learned how it was said, but I say. It's this, but I say, that's so alarming to the crowd. Not even Moses dared to say that. Everything that Moses presented to the people as law came from God. No one really cared what Moses' opinion was about the law. He gave the law as he had received it. But Jesus clearly isn't Moses. Moses gave God's law by coming down the mountain and saying, well, look, God says this. But Jesus gives God's law by calling the people up the mountain and saying, I say this. The only way that this remains God's law, and not merely the rant of a mad rabbi, is if Jesus is, in fact, God himself. God, instead of speaking through Moses and sending the word down the mountain, now speaks the word directly to the people because Jesus is God. He is the word made flesh. So this phrase, which we'll see unfold a number of times in the days ahead, you know, you've heard how it was said, but I say, that they recognize that the crowds, rec- the crowds recognize in this that Christ is entirely different from the scribes and the Pharisees, that he teaches, as they say, with authority. He's not merely an interpreter of the law of Moses. He puts before them the fullness of the law, and it's pointing toward a law which shapes the heart and not just the action. It means then that we don't have to go through life with our foot on the accelerator and the brake at the same time, living under this extraordinary tension of wanting to go in one direction, but but knowing that we should stop and trying to turn ourselves around, that in the interplay between grace and virtue, our hearts can change so that, you know, we truly love what is good and then we do what we love. And that's happiness. That's joy. That's heaven. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, 
and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.